Now presenting. Cause and creation. Welcome to Cause and Creation on the All Ports Open Network. I'm your host, Megan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Janelle Megan. And we have a really exciting guest for you today, uh, playwright, director, actress, Ozuma O'Day. And you, Lucky Ducks, are actually even going to get to hear a really great scene from her new play, A Day in the Life, before we go into the interview, which you guys are going to absolutely love both of those. You're going to love her. But... Before we go into all that, um, you're going to have to listen to us talk first for a bit. And before we go into the artist date, I really wanted to start off by plugging some ways that you can follow and keep in touch with us. If that's okay with you, Janelle. Oh, yeah, of course. Go for it. Awesome. Okay, so we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We'll include both of those in the show notes. If you would like to follow us on there, please follow us on there. And if you want to reach out to us via email, we have a good old-fashioned email address, causingcreation at gmail.com, where you can send us. Uh, you know, comments, concerns, criticisms, compliments. <laughs> we just like, we're really, really grateful that the All Ports Open Network is letting us do this show. And we're also super grateful to everybody who listened to the last episode. We appreciate it so much. And we've been absolutely loving the feedback. So let us know what you think about everything. We're always happy to hear feedback. Oh, Janelle, are you there? I'm, I'm here. I just had nothing to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to jump in and say something like, if it's nice, but then I was like, no, don't. They, no, because that's going to make oh, people no, you were great. say bad you were great. things. <laughs> I was like, if you say only nice feedback, that's when people are going to send mean things. So I'm not saying anything. <laughs> You know what? We um, If you would like to send us some like really nice, positive feedback about how much you love us, you can send it to that email. And um, if you have any negative feedback, you can keep it to yourself. So No, don't go. say that, though, <laughs> because this is what, because people's brains will switch it, and they'll think, and they'll be like, oh, they don't want me to send negative things. I'm going to only think about negative things. So you have to just be like, oh, it's fine. Any feedback is fine. And then we'll only get good things. <laughs> That's good. That's good. No, we're, we're happy to hear anything that you guys have to tell us, even if it's just, uh, even if you just want to call us and, you know, t- well, not call us, please don't call I mean, us. I am curious <laughs> if anybody has watched Mall Cop. I mean, if, if you have feedback about if you, when you listen to the last episode and you have a strong opinion about Mall Cop, I, I would like to know about that, actually. Oh my gosh, please. No, and that's like one thing that I want to say is um, I, I had a friend um, just to say that like we really enjoy all kinds of constructive feedback. Um, I had a friend that did let me know that she thought that we were way too harsh on our worst movie ratings, but I'm like going to say like, you know, we had strong feelings and if you have strong feelings, we would love to hear them. Or if you think that you have a movie that was worse than all of ours, or if you have like a deep emotional connection to Dragon Ball Z or Mall Cop or The Last Airbender, 
Like, feel free to tell us. Like, I would love to hear the other side of it. We were just saying our piece on it. I would really love to hear from someone specifically who has a deep personal connection with Mall Cop. I really, really, if you're out there, please find me. Oh my gosh, if somebody has a deep connection to Mall Cop, please come be a guest on our show. Yes. <laughs> please come yes. on and talk to us. I would love it. Yes. Maybe you can okay. me to love it. Did you have an artist date this week? Yes, I did, Megan. Um, so what I had discovered, um, kind of just, you know, reading articles and things like that is there's actually a series now that's a VR series. And I feel like, so when I first think of VR, like I immediately, I don't think it's good for the industry. I, um, to be honest with you, I just think of porn or I think of really scary horror movies. <laughs> so, well, I think it's funny that you say that because it, it kind of falls in that category of like every good thing that we have came from somebody trying to get laid. Like, I mean, especially like if you just look at it in terms of like Facebook was literally Mark Zuckerberg trying to connect with women. Snapchat was a way to send nudes. Like... All the things like that, and I think that VR did kind of start in a little bit of, like, porn roots, but good things come from people just trying to get off, I guess. That's, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, the best inventions are because someone's just trying to, like, impress a girl or get laid or something like that, so that is, that's totally fair, and I guess I should give VR more of a chance because... So what this series is, it's called The Messy Truth, and it's a VR series. And its goal is to put the viewer in someone else's shoes, like VR does, but also like gives them the lens of like life through another perspective. So it's taking on these different issues like race and redemption and all of these kind of timely themes through someone else's eyes, literally. And what's really like my favorite kind of thing when I was reading this article is the whole focus is on empathy. And for me, that is one of the most important things for me as as a creative, as an actor, as a producer, whatever you want to call it, is finding empathy in these characters that I play or that I write or that I bring to the screen. Because I think that's one of the most important things um, that art can do is bring people together. And I know that's a little cheesy, but I do think... No, but it's true, though. Yeah. I mean, I agree with it. I think it's something that the world needs a lot of right now, too. And one of the, I'll just read a quote from the article, um, is it says, VR has the potential to make the viewer believe what they're seeing is real. So for us, using it to create empathy and understanding is the ultimate goal. Which I think is just a really interesting perspective of what VR could be in the future. Is, you know, if we're going to think like really crazy in the future ideas is like, Maybe it will bring us together and give us more of a connection because we're able to literally strap on a device and see what it's like to look through someone else's, you know, point of view. It's fascinating. No, I love that. There's there's not a lot of VR in the film world just yet. I know it like um, some of the uh, big festivals like Sundance and Tribeca, they have whole categories for it because it's... It's kind of like the new frontier in film, which I think is really, really cool. I I have a friend that is working in it, and it's just, it's really, really cool to, like, listen to, like, the way that he's, well, not, I guess, like, the way that he's doing it, but, like, the reasons 
that he's trying to work on. I would love to have him on as a guest, but him and his girlfriend are currently um, traveling cross country in a truck with a mattress in the back. So he's out living his life and he has no time for us right now. But it's just like there's something really cool about like really bringing people in to situations and areas of the world that they might not see otherwise that I think is really, really cool that like you can't really get with any other kind of media. Yeah, I think that's the goal when some people are sometimes writing these stories or filming things is to bring them into a different world, into their world, into the world that they're writing and creating. And VR does that on like a whole new level that I just never would have expected that it could be used in this way. I just thought porn, horror, all the bad things, all the toxic things, but actually, you know, I mean, debatable, but like, you know. <laughs> no, I think that is, I think it's really neat. What's the show about? Um, well, it's, every episode is different. They only have two episodes. Um, the first episode, I believe, is um, Brie Larson. She is basically propositioned by her, sexually harassed by her boss. And then the other one is um, The Life Through the Eyes of a 12-Year-Old Black Boy, where his dad is pulled over by the police. Oh, wow. Yeah, so their focus is on those types of issues. And, you know, they said that they're really trying to showcase it to the most diverse audiences possible, just to really um, kind of start this kind of conversation of, of empathy and of, of conversations that are difficult to have when you have not experienced something yourself. You know, like, I'm sure showing a man the episode um, where Brie Larson gets sexually harassed by her boss, I think that they're going to leave that experience feeling differently about sexual harassment than they, they came at it with. I mean, I think you can't help but to have that once you experience it, like, literally through someone else's eyes. No, I think that that's incredible. Well, and I mean, it's, I, I'm just, I'm really glad that it's being used for things like that. There, there's this really great quote that I love that's by the people who made the Heather's musical, ironically enough. Art is how we show people what our world looks like and what we want it to be. And I think that there is something really cool about using this as a medium to really show people something that they would never have seen before on their own. Absolutely. And that maybe they didn't want to see you know I mean there's there's that argument as well it's like we can't see we can't know what we don't know right so exactly this almost like forces you to have that experience that you didn't even realize was an experience you know so it's it's really exciting and I'm curious to see you know they only have two episodes up but they have future ones planned I, I think with COVID and everything there was a little bit of a delay um, on some of the stuff yeah, they had planned, as everyone. as everyone, you know, as everyone has. But I'm curious to see, you know, they talked about doing an episode on immigration and some other kind of, for lack of a better word, hot topic issues. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, you can just, it's it's called The Messy Truth. Um, we'll include it in the show notes um, where you can check it out. Okay, awesome. Okay, so for my artist date, so I've been like working a lot, so I haven't really been doing a lot of like, branching out I guess but um there's this tv show on Amazon the boys that I I was actually like a fan of the well I, I don't know that I would call myself a fan but I've read the comic Wait, books didn't anyways. you dress up like one of these characters or you were oh, going oh to my them? gosh yeah if anybody's seen the show um so me and my boyfriend we never really do like coupley things like we're, we're just not really like that kind of couple but we did our first couples costume 
ever last Halloween, and we went as um, the Deep and a Dolphin, which, like, in the show, like, the Deep is, like, a parody version of Aquaman, and th there's a lot about his character, but... One of, like, the big things is, like, where he can talk to, like, ocean life. He gets really, really close with, like, fish and everything. And there's just this, like, scene where he's, like, trying to break this dolphin out of uh, SeaWorld, essentially. And he's, like, in the truck, like, flirting with the dolphin. And um, it ends up, like, ending very, very tragically. Watch the show to find out. I'm not going to go into it on the podcast. But we just we just thought that it was really funny. But um, they just aired season two. And first of all, it's coming out an episode at a time every Friday, which is killing me because I'm so used to binge-watching culture. It, like, it, it sucks. <laughs> not having instant gratification for a show in so long. It's so awful. It feels like I'm back in, like, the early 2000s or something. Like, I hate it. But I've been going down a little bit of a rabbit hole about the casting for it. Because, um, so the thing with the boys is it is yet another superhero show. But the catch is that it's, like, this really dark version of it. So all the superheroes on it are essentially parodies of the Justice League. Um, like, you have the uh, Superman... Um, Captain America character, uh, Homelander, and um, the Deep is Aquaman. Like, it's just kind of like that. And it's in this world where superheroes completely exist. Everybody knows that they're real. But it's kind of this more realistic, non-romanticized take on it where they're all celebrities. And, like, they're all still just people with these larger-than-life powers. So... It's, you know, people in power that can take advantage and there's lots of conversations about like, you know, what the superheroes are doing for PR and what they're actually doing for good and, um, you know, what they're doing to get sponsorships and things like that. Like there's this whole like capitalistic view on it and one of the main conflicts is whether or not they're going to implement superheroes in uh, military forces and everything too, which is like, it's just... It's weird to say, but it's almost like a more real-world version of these, like, very fanciful things. So, the, as far as the casting has gone, they've changed a lot from the comic books, which the comic books are pretty... I don't know how to say this without sounding like a prude, but they're extremely vulgar. Um, just lots of... Not even, like, sex, just, like, gross sex, if that makes sense. I mean, I do remember um, you talking to me about the show, and because, like, I'm... You know, full disclosure, I don't watch a lot of things that are violent or, like, disturbing. Like, I just, I can't really handle that. It's just not really for, for me. And I remember talking to you about it and you being like, yeah, I don't know if you'd be able to handle the show. So, the show is probably still pretty vulgar, for lack of a better word, right? Yeah, well, it's just, like, it's one of those things where, like, I, like, I kind of think that you would love it, but then I also know that you would hate it. Like, it's, it's very, very violent, and, um, and like I said, the whole point is it's like, like, being a superhero doesn't necessarily mean that you're a good person, it just means that you have superpowers, and, like, two of the best examples of that that I really wanted to talk about, because I thought it was so interesting for, like, casting, is, um, the main character, or, like, the main superhero, like, the head of the, essentially, like, Justice League, they call it the Seven on there, is um, this character Homelander, who is supposed to be like Superman, and he's like very much the like, 
you know, American Golden Boy type. He has, like, the same superpowers as Superman. He can fly, laser eyes, super strength, all of it. And he is the most evil villain I have ever seen in my life. And it's, like, to the point where, like, he's... But he's also, like, the best villain. Like, I'm a little bit obsessed with him, but not because... I like him because I hate him, but it's just he's so good at just being the worst person. And the actor that they have playing him is incredible. Like, he's just so good. Like And and the way that he was cast I thought was so interesting because um, me and um, uh, some of my friends and my boyfriend all watched the show. And I was at work the other day and my boyfriend sent me this, like, side-by-side image of the actor who plays Homelander next to, like, a picture of him as Homelander. And the guy that plays him, I don't I don't know how to say it. Like, he, he's a really attractive guy, but he's no Henry Cavill, if you know what I mean. Like, he's no Hemsworth. And it just, like, it really got me curious because I'm like, how, what casting director looked at this guy and had the imagination to see him as, like, a Superman Clark Kent type? And so I was looking into it more and apparently the the actor, his name's um Anthony Starr, um, he tried to like completely bomb the audition. Oh wow. Which which I thought was like super wild because um and like the same way that like I was thinking, his agent sent him like, Hey, here's the script for this new show, The Boys. They want you for like the like evil Superman parody character and everything, so we need you to get the audition in. And, like, he was, like, in his interview talking about, you know, he already had so much on his plate, and he was really busy, and he was like, look, they're gonna get, like, a Henry Cavill type to play that. Like, I'm not that. He was like, you know, Henry Cavill is, like, a good five inches taller and 50 pounds heavier than me. So he didn't even, so, like, he basically didn't believe in himself, um, sort of for the role. Well, no, like, 100%, but, like, what was, like, really cool about it was... His agent kept, like, going after him, was like, you know, like, no, this is, like, this is a really great role, like, you should try it, and he was like, you know what, okay, fine, and so, like, he kind of did it, like, out of spite, but, like, literally just, like, in his dressing room, like, working on something else, um, he just, like, with his phone in a mirror, like, recorded his audition, and he did it very much in this, like, almost, like, sarcastic way of, like, you know, like, this, like, I'm not, I'm not Superman kind of, like, way, and, like, just, but it completely nailed it. And he got the part. And, like, literally, that's why they cast him. Because, you know, like, you got to think that, like, everybody else that they called in for it probably came in, like, trying to be Superman and everything. And, like, him just being himself, like, you know what, I'm not that guy, was exactly what they were looking for. And I just thought that it was, like, this really great testament to, you know, if somebody's, like, offering you a role, like, they obviously see something in you for it. So, like, having that confidence of, like, they wouldn't have asked me if they didn't think that I could do it. And also just this, like, idea of, um, like, we had an acting teacher, Anthony Robert Grasso, who would always kind of, like, say, like, Janelle, if you're going into an audition, like, you can try as hard as you can to be somebody else, but that person is always going to be themselves better than you can act. So, like, you have to be you. Like, what you bring to the role is yourself. And I just thought that it was such a cool example of, like, he literally got the role because he was 100% truly him. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think it's also, because it is all about, you and what you bring in it but it also is like 
it kind of goes to show that like you can't know what they want and I feel like that's something that a lot of actors they always think oh I know what casting directors want I know what they're picturing for this role and you go in maybe preparing you know the role or the audition as if you you know putting exactly what you think they want on a platter the truth is they're just like all of us where they don't know what they want like nobody knows what they want but especially not creative so maybe that's a little bit harsh but I do truly believe that like your job as a creative is to go in that room and tell them what they want by being yourself no exactly no and I think that this is the perfect example especially because like his performance in it is so good like he is terrifying and it's not because he's like trying to be scary it's just because like he's in no way trying to be this like Superman character like he's literally just playing a guy with superpowers that's super unpredictable like he's like hey you know what I'm a god and you guys are all just people and so I can do whatever I want and it's perfect and if they would have gone with anybody else like it just it wouldn't hit the same you know what I mean no definitely and it's it's definitely I hope inspiring some people to really be their on unapologetic self when it comes to creating and creating their their work because that is what sells for lack of a better word that is what is going to get someone to see you and that's exactly what I don't, I don't know what art should do no I totally agree and speaking of unapologetic creators we are going to let you guys get to our interview with Azuma. She is, again, just such an incredible playwright, actor. Um, she's actually going to be acting in the scene that we're going to play before the interview. So, now presenting Ozuma O'Day. Okay, Jamila, Terry, we've been at this for hours. I just want to find the perfect look that says, hire me because I'm perfect for the job, and also because I currently have no livelihood. Well, it's not my fault that all these clothes have been saying something very different. For instance, that jacket says, Hey, Zoom. So I was on Daquan's account on the gram, and I saw that there was this new dance called the Electric Slide that looks so awesome and ethnic. And you're ethnic. And I love ethnics. I love ethnic food. And I had a friend who traveled to Botswana to build a well. And also take pictures with happy shirtless black babies. So could you like teach me the dance? Really? Because I was getting. I watched The Wire get out in 12 years a slave. I'm precious. And I just understand your struggles. And I am an ally. Oh and I told my <laughs> racist grandmother not to call black people Ew. the N-word. So now she just calls them colored, which is better. <laughs> And black lives really do matter. But like, also, I think everyone should listen to the police. <laughs> oh, yeah, I hear that. Mm -hmm. Really? All of that? Yeah. You know our clothes have to be able to communicate 62 different messages at once while also fitting properly. <laughs> Don't remind me. Okay. No. What do you think? <laughs> no, no, no. 
No, that will not work. Mm-hmm. What is it this mm-hmm. time? Are you kidding me? No, this looks as, hey, I'm the black girl, and I will have a moment where I question something you say, and in this moment, I will make you feel threatened for some unknown reason because the thought of a black woman having an opinion, talk less an opinion that contradicts your alabaster opinion, is too scary to receive in this or any manner. So you will then have to let me go after you ensure that each of these incidents is noted in my file so that they continue to build evidence against me and I'm then justifiably fired. All that from a blazer? I don't make the rules, I simply read clothes. What does that even mean? You know, I don't know. Anyways, what about this one? Mm-mm. No. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. <laughs> what? Why? Um, because that blazer says, Come one, come all, come all those who have never felt the resplendent power of Afro-textured hair. Approach with the same ivory privilege that allows you to gentrify the area surrounding Howard University's campus and complain that the private, historically Black university that was established in 1867 should allow you to treat the school's private-ass property as your dog's toilet or just move. Right. (laughs) You are allowed to touch my hair and satisfy your ravenous Mm -mm. curiosity by asking perplexing questions about how my hair follicles could dare to be different from the exhausted strands that dangle from your skin. Oh my God, what is it with you two? What happened to I don't like this or I do like that? Can we just stick to the standard responses? Look, you asked us. <gasps> I like that. You do? Yeah, it says, hire me because I'm perfect for the job and mm. also because I currently have no livelihood. Mm-hmm. Perfect. <laughs> All right, everybody. We are here with Azuma Uday, an amazing writer and director. Um, I actually had the huge privilege of being one of her actresses for a short play that she did for the Smash Theater Festival here in New York City. And um, we are really, really lucky on this podcast today to even give you a little bit of a sneak peek of a work in progress that she's been working on. Azuma, would you like to tell everybody about it? Yeah, um, so this is kind of like the first time I'm actually talking about it. My friends have been asking, like, what are you working on? And I'm like, mm, well, but um, so the right now the working title is called Job Search. And it's sort of a reflection of when I was looking for a job like a bit of time ago and sort of just like the little, all the things that come along with it, all of the insecurities. Um, and I'm sort of taking the approach of like, adding some of the sketch stuff that I've done in the past. It's got sort of a sketch feel to it sometimes and um, a little bit more play writing sometimes, just really experimenting with different types of mediums and different ways to communicate to people and having fun with that and really telling a story and just sort of not being so serious about something that is already serious enough in the subject matter. Might as well have fun with it. I think that's really great. Um, Is this the first time that you've kind of played with a script before or have you done this in the past with your other ones or yeah so this is something I'm very fond of doing um the last show that I did was um a day in the life of performance piece of performance pieces and so it literally started with a rap and then I had like a I had a haiku moment in there and then there was a Shakespearean like iambic pentameter moment in there just but like all sort of following a day in the life so like the rap was like me waking up and then like there was a, a musical number called salad where I literally just sang about 
lunch um and then like the news so it's like literally just like a day in the life of like talking about my dinner i had like a whole poem that i wrote to chipotle for my dinner so it's just like thinking oh gosh, about the I day like in i write life. a letter to chipotle every time i eat every it, day i get that seriously <laughs> sonnets to chipotle there are a few different there was a domino's one that was quite popular before that i wrote a lot of because i was like mm, i'm not i don't eat domino's anymore that's obviously a lie um but <laughs> You know, uh, but I did like, I like to just, I feel like for me, it's really about writing what I like. And I like these really short things that are really impactful. So every moment in that, that short piece is impactful, which is why like for Smash, the one that you did, it was a really short play, but it was like, so I think sometimes we use length as a crutch to sort of We'll get to our point eventually, but we can kind of meander before we get to the point. And for me, I just kind of want to get to the, like, why are we reading? Like, why are we here today? Let's talk about it and jump right in. And I think that that's sort of the best way to move. No, I I love that. I love, I mean, I... I'm a little bit of a type A personality myself, so um, I'm not really one for beating around the bush. And I love, I, I really, really love whatever, like, someone's writing style really lends itself to that um and I would honestly um something that I think is really really cool about you in particular other than the fact that I don't know why you're not writing jingles for commercial food chains at this point because it sounds like you've got plenty in the bag (laughs) should I if anyone's listening jingle people um I am available I have a fabulous voice for jingles and things and such so I am just letting people know that hi all of your info is going to be in the show notes. Hit her up for your new businesses. Yeah. I'll never say no to more money. Thanks. I know, um, right? Yeah. I mean, especially right now. And well, that's even what I was kind of wanting to talk about. Not only have I gotten to work with you before, um, I got to work with you. It was probably close to three or four years three ago. Three years ago. Yeah, it's like 2017. It, yeah, 2017. And it was a play that was very relevant at the time. It was like right after the woman's March and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And it almost seems even more relevant now. Like you were, and, and I'm saying this completely from like my own perspective, like you were one of like the more prominent voices I heard on black lives matter at that time. And honestly, like I wouldn't be surprised if you did a reboot of that, short player tried to like put into another festival now because it it really hit on a lot of stuff that's and in a in a way that I think that people kind of miss sometimes yeah um just because I I feel like there's so much like shouting from either side Mm -hmm. and you literally wrote a script that was a conversation yeah between the two sides do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about it because I'm I'm not even doing it justice (laughs) (laughs) no so it was such a weird day I that play was based on a conversation that I did have with like a a girl who was, you know, I think she was, she was a bit more religious. So she was coming to New York as like a very sort of, I think she was like Mormon or something. And, but like for her, you know, her version of activism was very subtle, very like, I told my friends on Facebook that I, that I did this. And she wanted me to be proud of her in that moment. And she was like, look what I did. Can you be proud of me for the thing that I did? And it kept telling me as like a way to sort of invite my sort of praise for her in that moment. Yeah, she and for me, a, hat on, a pat on the head. A hat on the back. And I was like, I can't mm-hmm. give that to you, unfortunately, because 
this is like 2017, like um, Trayvon Martin was shot in 2013 by George. This is, people have been doing this for four years now at that, at that time. And they've been shouting the same things from the rooftops from that time since now. And you're just getting on the bandwagon sort of with the women's march and everything going on with that. And I'm happy that you're here. I'm thrilled that you've joined us and, you know, seen the light and understand that. But like, this is not, I'm, people who have been, because she told me that somebody was angry at me because I, I was telling them I'm here now. And they were angry because she wasn't, like they were just angry that sort of frustration of like, well, I'm happy that you're here, but like, I'm not going to be proud of you for getting here late. Like you got here, sure, congrats. Yeah. But like, and so it was just sort of like this sort of tension that we were having where I was like, I'm not mad at you, but I am already just generally frustrated with the situation at hand. There are bigger things for me to be frustrated by. And you discovering that women are not equal just now is not really going to help me. You telling somebody that the way they're treating people is bad now is not, good but like that's not my concern it's nothing for me to be proud about like the fact that you still have to do this and we're still doing this now and I feel like even more so now people are sort of kind of have that attitude of oh wait is racism a thing and you're like well yeah I mean it's like it's you a, don't exactly you don't get a trophy for doing the bare minimum the bare right? minimum like you're mm-hmm. you just acknowledge we're just asking you to acknowledge it full stop and like you're not even you just got to that place and you've not even gotten to the place of like action and change and like moving forward so it was just a real frustration so I think with that play see me it was like literally like when you go to a protest when you go to a room when you go anywhere look around and see who you don't see like that was like the sort of thing is like look around and see who you don't see and I think that you know white people are often they sort of look around and they see and they're like okay cool they're comfortable they don't even realize they're not seeing certain faces or certain perspectives certain viewpoints in the room and then it was frustrating and now I'm like whoa it's even more like look around like and this is something that for me I'm so passionate about and just thinking about diversity in all areas not just the visible ones but like diversity in the back in the finance and the producing especially in art and the arts not just as a writer or an actor but as sort of the producers or the directors or the camera people or all of those areas need to have diversity because it does affect like how you shoot a certain scene or somebody would have a different idea about how you would light a certain scene or the sound or different things that really do add flavor and complexity to your work. It's just basically just having people who look a little bit different and have different viewpoints and can sort of add to that flavor. No, I I think that that's exactly right. And I I do completely agree with you that I I think that it's something that people have really been missing lately because there and you and me had talked about it on the phone previously there has been a really big push for diversity in um you said it better than I'm about to say it I'm like just basically trying to parrot you but it's like we are seeing like more diverse casts Mm -hmm. in films for sure like there is a lot more diversity in the acting world sure but it's just that like, you know, those are just kind of the talking heads in a way. No disrespect to actors. We're all actors. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, it, it doesn't really matter if you're not getting those perspectives in the writer's rooms and in yeah. the people who are actually making those decisions. Yeah. Like even like the exec office in these places that sort of run this, like even in play in festivals and stuff, 
I would be, I've gone to one festival so far that wasn't run by a black, a white man and it was run by a black man. And so like of all the ones I've done, like a lot of them in New York. Um, and every time I've gone and I've been like maybe the only black girl in the room, unless it was a festival specifically for bringing out minority voice voices, then if it wasn't like a festival specifically to sort of promote minority voices, then I was maybe the only black woman in the room max as a writer and so i know that there are not going to be like in the exact people who are running the festivals are not because you, you need to know where to find talent because people love to give this ex- excuse of like oh we couldn't find anyone couldn't find anywhere to, where do we find black people where do we find people of color we don't know it's the internet is so vast there's so much internet there is there's almost too much internet so that's not an excuse in 2020 it's not but it's one that's used often and it's something that like I just see it because I, I happened across these rooms and I'm like, wait, why am I the only one who looks like me in this room? This is so weird. Um, so it's just I think like thinking about how you can place diversity in all aspects, not, not just like with black people, but like across the board, just multiple a multitude of experiences and viewpoints and cultures like it never hurts to be more diverse. No, of course. Well, and that's how I mean, I. I, I think that it goes without saying, too, that, like, art is kind of a way where we see what each other's worlds look like. Yeah, and so exactly. just having your art coming from very specific, specific. voices is mm-hmm. going to give a really skewed view. Do you? So I, I'm just curious, because, um, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. Um, I, I, I'm definitely sure that I don't notice it quite as much to the level that you do but I mean like you bringing up like this whole thing with film festivals like I can't really see that I see a lot of diversity in film festivals that I go to unless they're specifically again was a category like a cultural yeah exactly yeah and which even that I it's not exactly my place to say but no but it's it's not great I do feel like like it's like like you have like the white films and then Mm -hmm all the other ones yeah which also just seems so it's like, like this, just like this, foreign films cultural yeah. films it's it like the assumption so. that like if it's inherently white then it's like canon and like because it, it's like the whiteness makes it it's just so like if if black people are primarily the cast or the crew then it's a black film which means it's judged by a different set of standards than necessarily a, you know just any other like regular film and it's a bit it's frustrating because some things are not not black stories are not black stories are stories that black people are telling and there's stories that we can all relate to like there's there's relatable things in everybody's story to everyone else and some things are sort of in the lens of cultural and content but like to sort of limit it because of like oh this is a black so we're not gonna we're gonna treat it this way because it's a black thing or this is an an indian movie so you know it's gonna have that but like no there are good nigerian movies there are good india there are good multicultural things that are just good across the board and they don't have to be sort of and in order for a like a movie that is fully like a black cast to be considered good it has to be like so amazing that like it's like undeniable whereas a lot of mediocrity and whiteness gets by a lot of things that you're just like oh i mean i don't i don't want to be too <laughs> what's, like what's happening here you wall, know but like you know look at the oscars i mean 
I was like, like La La Land is a really movie. fun movie. It's a really fun movie. Like, I La La I watched it. Oscar bait. It wasn't that great. I'm going to say no. But <laughs> it, was, it was a fun movie to watch because it's like, you know, it's kind of color. It's really colorful. And that's nice to see sometimes. But like, was it like the most, the plot was very basic. Like it was a girl meets a guy. They date, they break up. That was the that was it's, the whole yeah, no, plot it's, it's of the same the sh- plot that we've been seeing <laughs> since like, they were making movies. I mean, it's the, also the plot of Singing in the Rain. Like it's the plot of like <laughs> I was like this movie. It's like not inventive <laughs> even in the way that they made this. Like the story they made was not even an inventive look at a relationship. It was just like we're just gonna burst into song and dance, and it's yeah. nice. Again, it's no, pretty. It was, it it's was nice, colorful, and also we got to like see a lot of tapping from people who literally learned how to tap that day on set, like, like. last night. Yeah, so it's just like I'm like, so I'm watching I, again. I love Emma Stone. So she's oh, a yeah, stone. Yeah, yes. yeah. No, I, I, I love her. Wrong. I mm-hmm. love her, but I was like, hey, girl, Mm-mm. I know you can't sing. It's okay. Have a seat. It's all right. It's good. We're good. No, you had a good time. You tried. You deserve most of your roles, but like this Mm -hmm. one, somebody just maybe you could have given this one to somebody else. Like just like maybe somebody who like the baton. Just a little bit, and it's just like, but like everyone was just like, oh my god, this movie is so revolutionary, and it was just like, (laughs) um, it's cute. It's definitely cute. It's a cute, cute, cute movie, but it's not like. And, like, it, it barely got beat up by, like, Moonlight that year, which was, like, this, like, it has to be, and then, like, with this black movie, it has to be, like, but that movie, in order to beat this, like, basic movie, it had to be, like, this story that tackles sexuality and black men and, you know, time over time and bull, it had to, like, be something that was, like, capturing so many themes, which is exhausting. Like some, like I would love to make a basic movie that's sort of like very beautifully shot and it to be considered like an Oscar. Like that is like my dream is to make something that's fairly simple. Like nothing that deals with like huge themes. Something that's just like boy meets girl. Or like this is like, I'm like sort of working on this thing. I've worked on Shmulia's article, like a day in the life. It's just a simple day in the life there's no great big huge like and then the slaves were written like, there's no like huge theme that we're tackling and I think that that's something we don't see enough it was just black people being regular as hell just regular no not defeating great odds but just defeating the day just getting to and fro work or just falling in love or just doing things that you know white people can make movies about and win Oscars about and we we don't even get like a second glance of like, and we need more funding. Like it comes down to the people who have money sort of giving us the money and the resources to make these types of films or are believing in that. So, cause there, I'm, I'm very certain that there are many people of color who are like, like look at crazy rich Asians, fairly simple. Like that was a fairly simple plot, but because it was so culturally like, just culturally layered, it really was such a huge hit because it was something that everybody could relate to. Pressure from our parents to do things. I think that everybody in the world can say, I felt a bit of that before in my life. Or, And it did so well because it was cultural and beautiful, but also relatable. And it came from a different voice and a different set of faces and a different crew. And that was just nice too. And it's not without its own share of issues, but like, it's just like, it just proves that like, there is the space, there is the market for sort of just these sort of more simple stories, but just diff- all kinds of stories. Like maybe tell your Harriet Tubman stories, but also tell the the day in the life story and also tell like 
you know, all these different viewpoints that sort of make make the world turn, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, it's like a long tangent, but that's. No, no, no. I, <laughs> yeah, I that's amazing. I, no, like I'm, I'm glad we're getting it all on tape. Yeah. Um, no, like, but I, I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like, for the most part, the films that I end up hearing about that are like up for Oscars and things, like if they are involving people of color, then they mm -hmm. are about these struggles of being oh, a color yeah. and like how hard they've been fighting and everything, which no. and I mean, obviously, yes, but it's like, I've not ever, well, oh my gosh, what is that? It's like, look at Green what Book. That was like, that just won. Yeah, but it was like, like, like what's what's the Christmas movie where it's following like all the different people? It's like British. Oh, um, 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 uh, Love right. Actually. Love, Love Actually. actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was it the holiday? No, not that one. But I mean, like, even something like that where it's literally yes. just like people like coming home for Christmas and going yeah. through divorce and going through like everyday things. It's like, like, why or why are we only seeing like one demographic and I think like that's that's for me like I you know writing is kind of a daunting thing because you can literally write about anything I was thinking about this the other day and I was like our brains are literally limitless and the only thing that limits them is us like we put limitations it's like I can imagine jumping off a mountain and landing on my two feet and walking away but because my like a, the other part of my brain is like but like if you do that you'll die I won't even like imagine it in a way and so it's like this idea of sort of caging ourselves to like what we sort of know to be true but there is a world where we can sort of write and do all these things and just sort of exist and like let our like just sort of let things that don't aren't I don't know what I'm trying to go about like let things that aren't so if you can't imagine it right now it still it can exist if that makes sense there was a point I was getting to, and I think I think she got off um, in the last stop, and I don't know where she's <laughs> anymore. So no, no, no. I'm, I'm following. No, this. no, no. no I, I actually I love that metaphor of of our mind, um, you know, limiting ourselves. Is there anything yeah. that you do in particular to break out of that? You know, do you consume a certain type of media or? You know, basically, what I'm asking is kind of like if there's any other listeners out there who you know, feel like they want to write some of these things. What, how, how do they get out of that mold? How do they break free from that? Yeah. So I can't tell anybody how to do anything, but I'll tell you what I do. What I've been doing recently, I just got into like the Marvel movies. Like I just got, I'm like, I'm like, hey guys, have you heard of Iron Man? I'm that, I'm that girl who's I'm like, so no, I, I, I know. I'm going to go through this for the first time. <laughs> Like you're getting to experience all this for the first time. <laughs> so I like I watched all of them through, and I'm obsessed with them. Not just because like it's like beautifully and cool, beautiful and cool, but it's because it's such intricate storytelling. Oh, it's like it's really like there's so many little things that layer onto other little things that layer onto other little things that are under very big things that are. It's so intricate, and I that to me is like so it's so interesting. Like it's so interesting, like how you can kind of craft a very intricate story that you sort of know where it's going to end. You have an idea and you sort of have fun sort of leaving 
and seeing like, these are the, the characters I have available to me. I'm going to place them in different ways, in different orders so that you can sort of see them feed into the next and let each one kind of dictate the next. It's such an interesting way to sort of think about writing people. Cause I love thinking about writing um, dialogue and people and making things seem like making people talking to people feel real on the page. And I think they do a really good job in some of those movies of making like giving people motivations of like, I know what you did this because of this. Like it makes sense that you got to this point because you did this and you, it's, it's just really good. And I think, I took improv classes, obviously, because like, why wouldn't I have? And a thing that I took from there is, if this is true, what else is true? And I think they really take that that line of thinking and say, if this is true, what else is true? If this person does this, like, what else would they do? And so that's something that helps me sort of expand my world and just go around and see people and think about unlikely, unlikely um, comparisons. Um, and I wrote a paper in school many years ago where I compared um, Bollywood dance to Soulja Boy. And because it was like this, and like the teacher was shook. Like she literally was like shook. Her hair was askew because she was shook to her core. But it was because like Bollywood was like sort of this like outside shot. And this was like in 2010, 11, so it was a while ago. Um, but like at that time he was like hot, hot, hot. And so, but he was sort of ostracized by the rap community because of like, he's not a real rapper. He's sort of this up and coming, like just makes dances, but like actually that's a form of rap. It was like a very big form of rap because it was very successful and very popular, like Bollywood dancing. Yeah, It's like, because I was learning about all of these sort of very like, cause I was a dance in India class. So I was learning about sort of like this Baharada, not like all these other kinds of like very old, very canon sort of Indian dance styles. And Bollywood was sort of like, people were like, oh, Bollywood is so new age, like no. So I was like, what is a something I can think of that would sort of contextualize it to somebody who is not familiar with this? And yeah. bringing that together, it's like really such a clear and obvious comparison. But that's sort of what I like to do is think about like, if I know that I understand this concept, but this concept is a bit foreign to somebody. So how can I get another concept that's very similar, follows the same logic, but is more familiar to the reader? And this is sort of like, that's the sort of comparison and fun that I like to sort of have with this sort of thing. That is like you need to write a book on like, how to write because that's, well, I mean, I, I just, I, I think that that's such an incredible and kind of. So weird. I was like, it's I such a weird thing, thing, but like in a good way. Like it, that feels like one of those things that should be so obvious where it's like, oh, you don't know Bollywood? Well, you know Soldier Boy. And that's like the same thing. And like mm -hmm. to do that with your writing, it's like, like, oh, I know you don't know this, but, um, but like, here's something that you know, that is like basically the same thing for you that you can relate to like I um I was an education major and everything so I learned a lot about like child psychology and stuff like that yeah. and that's the best way to teach people is you have to present new information in relation yeah. to something that they already know like that's like make it feel familiar because people you know people balk at the unfamiliar and so you want to I like I'm a fan of welcome I just like want to feel welcoming but not like in like everybody's welcome but more in like the sense that like I can relate I'm confident in the fact that I can relate to almost anybody if you're a human 
I can find a, a common ground for us to sort of meet upon and have a conversation. And so as a, if you, if I can't find common ground with you, you are insane. It's you. It's not me. Um, so sorry, girl, um, man, person. It's unfortunately, if you are not able to, if I can't find common ground with you, something to talk about, then it's you. Um, and that's that. Like, I, didn't <laughs> I, like, I, I am the standard by which humans are judged. Um, no, sorry, but you're not a human. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Um, I, this has all been so, 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 so great. Um, Janelle, is there anything else that you'd like to ask before we move on to, um, the super fun game portion? Um, well, I know that, um, you know, when we were talking, you mentioned, you know, fighting for the space where you're weird and black. That was something that I really, yeah. I really wanted to touch on because I feel like a lot of our listeners might be able to relate to that. And I just wanted to kind of give you that space to kind of even just rant. <laughs> oh my God. So oh my here's the thing. Rant's coming. We're loving it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, you know, so here's the thing. Like, I don't know. I am, I consider myself, I identify as a weird person and I'm very comfortable with that identification. I love it over here. I'm having a great time. I prefer it, in fact. Um, but what I find that is like when creating new work, like as I'm working on this show, it's it's hard for me to figure out where I can go with it. You know, I feel like Again, and I'm hoping that this changes with everything going on. But, you know, sometimes, you know, the whites are looking for a certain kind of play from the Black art authors. They're looking for something that really tackles big issues and really allows them to sort of explore the world. And I'm like, I am not going to write that because there's, yes, and this is where I was going with that point earlier. It was like, I am not going to write. I, as a writer, you can write about anything in the world. And so I choose every day to write about what I write about. Because you can literally change, change that. Like you don't, if you're like a comedic person, you can literally not be a comedic person tomorrow. Um, so while, you know, the world is vast, I've chosen this sort of mountain to climb and explore of like mundane, but sort of amazing, like the finding the amazing in the mundane. But it's hard because from a black writer, I I think sometimes I feel like the way that I write is a bit peculiar and it really makes a lot of sense when it's done aloud in person, but it's hard to translate that sort of weirdness on the paper, especially when it's unfamiliar to people who have not really, you know, seen anything that I've done before, not familiar with me as a human being. It's like so personal. Um, so it's, it's something that I just, I don't know where to go and I'm like, I don't have any answers for it, but I'm sort of at a crossroads where I'm like, I don't want to stop creating this like weird work and like sort of very personal stuff that resonates with people. Cause I really, that's like the main thing is to find things that people find common ground on, but I don't know. I don't know where to go to next. And I don't know where is like really a space for a weird diverse character who, who wants to sort of, I want to like, I just want to, I want to be able to create things with support. And I just don't know if I can have the same support that other people might have in the same place. And I think too, because if there's one weird black girl out, we can only handle one weird black girl out at a time. So it's like, okay, Issa Rae and Michaela Cole have to take turns sort of being in the that spotlight. It, it, so much room yeah, for evil. exactly. And it's just like mm -hmm. such crap because how many cop dramas are there 
There's 900 shows about a cop who is like fighting crime. And at 45 minutes into the hour long drama, they're in court. And that's when a breakthrough happens in the case. And then like, it's, it's so there's, and it's like every major station has one, all of the the otherwise, like we have true to, there's so many versions of the same thing. Yeah, no, it's all like one formula with just different names attached to it. Yeah. But it's like, I think like if I'm not creating specifically black, it's like hard for me to find. Cause sometimes like I feel, you know, black people black enough then like, yeah, it's, and it's like, not to say that everything I do is black enough, obviously, but like, it's, you're looking at a studio who's sort of looking at how can we make money or how can we sort of, you know, and we know that people like this stuff. So we're not really interested in exploring new forms of this because we know that this works. So, you know, being, taking a chance on something adventurous or in play festivals, like it's hard, you know, sometimes people will be like, okay, whatever, fine. And then after I'm done, I'm like, oh my God, it was so amazing. And I'm like, well, yeah, but I have to like fight to like, as like, if it's just hard to like communicate a weird vision to people, like something that feels a little bit, and it's like, the irony of me being like, I like to communicate something complex in a way that people can understand and I can't communicate myself to people and I can't. So it's like, I'm so struggling to sort of find that analogy for myself in the real world so that people can sort of understand who I am and understand why I do what, what I'm trying to say. Um, well, I, so it's hard. I, I just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I also do just want to say like from the listener perspective on that, um, you were just talking earlier about how you try to find common ground with everybody. Yeah. And you know, if like at the end of the day, like you can't relate to somebody it's on them. Um, I, I do just kind of want to say that I, I don't, I don't know that it's really that um, yeah. you can't convey these things so much as maybe you're not getting the proper support in trying to convey them if that makes that no it's and it's it's also something that like i, I think that that's definitely it's a me you know, thing th- too there's, there's yeah. another side to that for sure no there's a it's a me thing too because i'm like a bit it's like outgoing as i am i'm a bit like awkward when it comes to like meeting new people and sort of networking and socializing and doing that that bit where you do have to do to kind of get that support and so I think anybody who listens to this is not going to believe that just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, I barely believe it myself. <laughs> people, people often doubt, but I'm like, I'm kind of awkward in like a, a new space. I'm a little bit like, Oh God. And like, Oh, it's like, and it's all, it's amazing. Like I, I, social anxiety is like a very real thing that I deal with every day. So it's something that I kind of sort of, over like I'm like I'm gonna be outgoing I'm just gonna do it anyway even if I'm sweating through my clothes and my stomach is no longer existent I'm just gonna thug it out you know um but yeah I think I'm trying I'm trying to like like the 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 me that I can be in my house and around people that I'm comfortable around I'm trying to let that version of me sort of be the version of me that's out there and explore you know options of like if I wanted to do this by myself how does that look like not even by myself, but if I wanted to like really be that producing person, how does that look like? And it's something that I've, you know, spent a lot of time trying to be accepted into other things and submitted a lot of plays to a lot of places and gotten to very few. And I think a lot of playwrights can, you know, relate to that of rejection. I think everybody who's like in a creative field really understands rejection very inherently. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's, 
it's something that like is a partially a me thing and partially like finding I don't know where to go like I'm just finding the right spaces for myself but also me putting myself out there and really trying to find other people not just go about it the way that I know but think about other ways of achieving the same goal or even better goals so it's a it's a progress it's it's a it's but I just wanted to say it just because like I feel like I'm I can't be the only person who feels a bit in between you know you know I'm like black but I'm I would, from what I see in black media, I'm not really that version of black media at all, but I'm also like not quite, like I'm not in the, I'm not white obviously, cause I'm just not white at all. And I'm not. Um, so it's just figuring out like where I feel very much like Britney Spears on the mountain. I'm not a girl, not yet a woman, but like, <laughs> I'm just just a kind of like very much like, you know, sort of in between and like figuring out, you know, I'm I'm in the point of the song where all I need is time, a moment that is mine while I'm in between, you know what I mean? And the words of B, um, Britney Spears. That was a quote I was not planning on saying today, but here we are. No, I Um, I always love a good (laughs) one. Oh. No, well, and I just, I I really want to commend you on like the fact that you're, you are like on this journey and you are like pushing bounds and you're trying not, but I mean, that's like the thing is that like, I, what, what I hear you saying that I really, really love is that you're not just trying to fit in. You're trying to fit in as you are. Like you're not trying to like find a way into a space. You're trying to to create more space. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I'm trying to create a space that like, like you're not putting ex- in, you're expanding. No, 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 no. Yes. It was like, it's like what things, all the things that we have now didn't exist before and now they exist. So things can, like the internet was not a thing. It was becoming a thing when I was like younger, but like Wi-Fi was not a thing when I was young and I'm not that old. No, but like, I didn't, Wi-Fi I was didn't not have a thing. until I was in college. <laughs> like I, I got to college and my dorm did not have Wi-Fi in it. And I started college in 2008. Um, so it's, so there's no Wi-Fi in the dorm, and that happened while I was in school. Like it changed from having no Wi-Fi, where you had a 60-foot-long Ethernet cord that you plugged into your computer and you would carry it into the hall and go play with your friends, like on the internet, but in the hall, to like having Wi-Fi. So, but now like the idea of not having Wi-Fi is so crazy. Like we're like, <laughs> excuse me, what? Oh my I god, there's no Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. <laughs> a bit awkward like you don't have wi-fi are you poor like no and that's not to say anything about poor people but it's literally like you're, if you're in a building an establishment oh and like, yeah like, like you're just like, like it's 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 like part of you just like expect it and that so it's like it what is expected i didn't never i would have expected it in a place 15 years ago i would have been like there's no wi-fi what is wi-fi do we have like my school got my high school did not have wi-fi there was no wi-fi in my high school so it's like I didn't expect it because it just wasn't part of my life. And now it's sort of expanding people's viewpoints to expect more, expect diversity, expect different viewpoints, expect stuff. So then it feel it doesn't feel like a shock or it doesn't feel like an other. It feels no, like, it's like it norm. just feels I mean, like it's, just part like of, it's normalizing it. Yeah. yeah. And that's no, what I, I think, think the, that's great. And I think that that's the big thing with Black Lives Matter. It's like down to the, the, the crux of it, it's, 
we don't want to be othered. That's it. Like, we just want to yeah. be able to go into spaces and be treated exactly as, like, if everybody's a criminal, then we're a criminal. If everybody's doing well, we want to have a chance to do well as well. We want to have a chance to be promoted at the same rate. We want to be able to be paid the same amount. We want to be able to just exist in the same exact ways as our white carnival counterparts. It's, and that's, that is what, and that's, it just feels awkward that people are fighting against that because it's such a basic thing. It's like, we're not, we just, no, <laughs> it's like not a it should just be like just basic human rights unfortunately it is, it's, yeah. it's not but um you know we're everyone not we are one step like at a time three, but i mean yeah. you know yeah it's like it definitely is at the very least getting more yeah. notice and everything I think it's, i'm happy because this is like the most progress we've had after one of these pushes and like after like we've had a few of these in the last few years and this is the most progress we've had during this time so i'm hopeful that like you know i'm hopeful that we'll keep moving forward and it feels like we're not moving backwards that's a good sign so i think yeah. like if we're continuing the conversation and really people making people really be thoughtful at the top then i think there's nothing that we can't do i'm trying to be optimistic cuz there's really no benefit of being pessimistic. It doesn't really do much for me anyway. So I might as well think of the positive and hope for the best and go from there. You know, I I love it. Thank you so much. So, so much for like sharing all this with us. Um, We're so excited. We got the chance to talk to you. Um, We're not going to keep you much longer, but (laughs) before you go, we would love to play a game with you. Yes. 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 Uh, so okay this is the game basically you're gonna get a question and the way that you get this question is you're just gonna pick a number through one through 15. okay um seven everyone always picks seven it's like right in what? the middle <laughs> this is i like this one this is a good one what disney villain do you find to be the most relatable Oh my god, this question! Yes! Okay, I'm so excited. I love this question. You got question. the golden one. I love this question. I, I have so many feelings about Disney villains. OMG. I think that Scar is misunderstood. And I was like, the way he acts is completely understandable. But I'm going to save my time to talk about Ursula. I'm going to talk about Ursula. Yay! I wrote... I wrote a character sketch on Ursula and how she's misunderstood. She's completely misunderstood. That bitch, and I don't want to call her a bitch, but that little child swam her ass over to somebody she doesn't know who was she was told by many people, do not go to her. She's no good. She said, I poked my head up above water one time and I saw a boy. And I think he looked kind of cool. So I'm going to go and sell my friggin' voice so I can go and go look at this boy in real life. He doesn't know you. Y'all are friends. You've not chatted. You have nothing in common. You've got no common ground. You have no reason to talk to this boy. But you saw him on a boat one day and you're like, I'm going to give up my whole life. I'm a princess underwater. I'm a fuck. I'm a, like, I am due for greatness underwater. And I am instead going to get rid of all of that so I can go chase a boy that I don't know, a stranger, principally. And then we're supposed to be mad at Ursula for using it against, it's her voice. She she got it fair and square that she signed the contract on the dotted line. What, what do you want her to do? If she wants to use that voice to, to, to get this man, that's her business. 
Like well, that is I'm her also business. I'm just gonna say that, like, I feel like that's honestly like such a good parenting technique, where it's like, like, oh, you're gonna go on in a date that we don't think you're ready for. Yeah, you can do that, but um, you guys aren't gonna talk own. to each other the whole yeah. time. We'll see how this works out. Like, honestly, I feel like that was kind of like a little bit of like auntie justice. Like, sure, yes. do it, but um, no, he's not gonna like you. And it's like it's like the whole thing with him like kiss the girl like why would he kiss also she was like sixteen like I wouldn't even get into like Disney and their in their obsession with infantilizing girls and making them like these young girls who they kept yes, trapping yes, into yes, marriage yes, at yes. a very very young age which was and it was like in the nineteen that was done in the nineteen eighties I think the beginning of the nineteen nineties which being married at sixteen was still inappropriate at that time too I was like I just no, want to say it wasn't okay then. Like you can't just be like, like oh, well, the, back in the day. It's like that it was, was like the twenties. It was, and it was like, and you can't talk to me about what's real and not because it's a mermaid. So unfortunately, you can't tell me about the historical context of mermaid and mer people and how they were able to get married at a younger. Like, no. So I feel that Ursula was demonized in a way that she had no business being demonized because she didn't do anything wrong. All she did was take advantage. Yeah, she tried to stop her, but that's her business. It's her voice. It's her business. She owns it. If I want to take my thing and go do what I want and you don't like it, that's my business. Too bad. So, yeah, I can't even watch. I tried to rewatch the movie and I just stopped because I was like, this girl... And then when I re- started rewatching it, I was even more irritated by it. The actions itself are just irritating in sequence, but her attitude was so crazy. Like she was supposed to be, it started off with her supposedly to be at like some event, some ceremony. And she's like over swimming in like some rubble, some like decayed boat. Oh my gosh. And yeah. <laughs> like, girl, they asked you to do one thing. You, you don't have to do anything most of the time. Just go to this one event. And she was just like, nah, I'm going to get a fork. And so, (laughs) no, like if you're 16, you're like, oh yeah, parents just don't understand. But like, but like if you were over the age of like 21, you're like, oh, you're being such a brat. Is she okay? Like, what's going on here? Somebody come get this child out of this dead. Like, she's being chased by. Somebody come get her. Like, oh, so yeah, that's. I think yes, I obviously have. No, I love it. It's just not a situation. <laughs> God. Oh, right. well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us. Um, do you just want to give a goodbye to everybody? Yeah. Oh, my God. Hey, friends. Um, it's Azuma. Uh, you guys knew that. Um, I. You can follow me at, at A-Z-O-O-M-A-H on Instagram. That's where I am right now. Um, hopefully, this show will be happening next year. Ah. Um, so look out for that and yeah, hopefully I'll get to come back and chat about that maybe when that's closer to happening and, you know, we'll keep talking about this conversation. 